your city, your podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Back to the Bird, presented by the PodHub Network. Today I'm joined by two brothers whose love for football led them both to playing college ball and eventually becoming coaches. Now they have a podcast called Brothers in the Bird, where they talk all things Pittsburgh and football in general. Please welcome Ralph and Joey Del Sardo. Guys, how you doing? Good. How are hey, you? Cody. Thanks I'm for having us right. on. <laughs> yeah, no problem. It's, it's been a long time coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when did I send you that initial DM on Twitter? Oh, geez. I don't know. <laughs> August, maybe? Was it I think August? it was very early on in me podcasting. So that was probably a month after the fact. Well, that listen, that's why I like, you know, I like getting my number out as quick as possible because checking yeah. message boards on social media, I don't know. I might be just a little bit older than like at being <laughs> the everyday routine. Yeah, no, I, I hear that. It's hard to get a hold of some people, but I'm glad we finally connected. It's, yes. it's awesome to have you guys on. I just want to bring up Brothers in the Berg is also part of the PodHub Network. So another good reason for us to connect here. Absolutely. um, Before we talk about all that, we got to start at the beginning. What was it like growing up uh, in Pittsburgh? I forget. You guys told me where you grew up. I said Mount Lebanon. You said? Dormont. Dormont. Stones throw away. Stones Stones throw away. away. So what was it like growing up there, guys? Well, I I guess I'll go first, Ralph. Yeah, go ahead. Um, Since you usually hijack most interviews anyway. Um, so it was, it was cool because one, we grew up next to our family. So there's 17 of us in this first cousin, um, community, I guess, of ours. Uh, our grandmother grew up the street, you know, over a block. And then our other cousins grew up two blocks away and the, and the rest of them were, you know, in green tree, which is, you know, another, another community or borough over um but yeah it was fun we had a nice little little group of of kids around our age that we grew up with um we'd play street hockey on a brick road um (laughs) you know kill the man we'd play kill the man with the ball in uh what we thought was a vacant house in the backyard (laughs) which wasn't and uh as far as we know one of our former neighbors, Brian Bell, is is an all-star hockey player. You know, Ralph? I mean, yeah. We thought this kid was we the greatest. Was on probably, water. When we were like eight and Ralph was 10 or 11, this kid was maybe like in high school. Yeah. And uh, we just idolized him. Thought he was the greatest. You know, I think everybody kind of has that moment as a kid, like around that age too. Yeah. Where like you're watching like the high school team and you're like, I, I want that guy's autograph. Like he plays yeah. so well. Like I've definitely been there, so I, I yeah. understand that. <laughs> you go back and you're like, "Oh, he's five seven, one fifty five. Exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> didn't play high school basketball. Didn't do anything. I think he dropped yeah. out of high school. Um, <laughs> no, but yeah, that was it. I mean, we were always kind of banging around, doing different things, and uh, would walk up to my grandmother's for breakfast and and dinner on Sundays, and. Um, it was it was all sports all the time football basketball baseball so we had all the seasons covered and nice um, yeah, it's definitely different than what it is this is me hijacking the the <laughs> question up it's definitely different than you know i have kids now and 
you know, we just went out and played. Nothing was organized. Nothing was scheduled. It was just go out and play. Everything was a competition. Yeah. Um, and, you know, some of the things we used to do, I look at, like, I was one of the older ones. We have one older cousin. And, like, we would just beat up on our younger cousins. Like, we'd go to our grandma's basement and play, you know, whether it's kill the man. I don't know if we're allowed to call it that anymore or what we could call it but i think kill the man better than what i used to call it growing yeah, up. yeah so. yeah 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 i hear you <laughs> i hear you and like we'd have cushions and you know you would just you would flat back you have cousins four or five years younger than us so which at that time that's a huge difference we would i don't know how we didn't end up with concussions yeah. stitches <laughs> all sure that like, there was a, well yeah we did i guess there was like sharp edges all around the basement that like it was any one of us could fall into, but it's what we did. And we just, you know, every, we competed everything. We've done fights over everything. One time, a quick story. We, we played basketball in our parents' living room. It was Easter time. Yeah. And somebody there, you know, our cousin, Bruce, Greg Kowski's there. He's like, let's play the blocking game. So we swat a basketball, break every Easter decoration on the mantle. So then we go, we throw all the Easter decorations away. We don't put Christmas decorations up to make it look like nothing happened. Yeah. <laughs> and then we ran the vat, ran the sweeper and, and then we're like, this looks too clean. So we crumbled potato chips all over the floor to make it look like, you know, looks like too it, clean. there was, there was action going on there. So that's just kind of, we competed at everything. We got into fights yeah. and it was all, and we all, you know, it's just what we knew. And I think it helped all of us to like as we got older just learn how to compete and lose yeah you know i think that's important too. learn to lose and uh and how you respond to that but it was fun we had a it was fun growing up yeah you you say you we learned to lose and i it just reminded me i was listening to two bears one cave with tom segura and uh burt kreischer they're talking about how like they were kind of only kids and their dads would like teach them how to lose and that yeah. would like just beat the hell out of them and be like well you lost yeah. <laughs> they're like all right i understand <laughs> yeah right and then it's i want to go back to yeah it's very important i, I agree yeah I go back to the like you said you have kids now and like things are a lot different i think i talked to sam dimatio a little bit about this and like i feel like my generation was the last one to like actually go outside just roam around town like you didn't know what you were going to do. If you brought a football, all right, we're going to play football somewhere. If you brought a basketball, we're going to play basketball somewhere. And it's really yeah. not like that nowadays. No. Well, there's too much, I think, distraction one. Yeah. Um, you know, kids are playing Fortnite and video games, and, and it's almost like, hey, I go to practice, and then I do this. And at a young age, yeah, we were kind of – forced pushed whatever you want to call it by our dad where it was like christmas morning we went to a gym at like nine o'clock to shoot basketball for you know half hour an hour and you know then it was like let's get on with christmas but then at a certain age you start to pick up that competitive drive and like all right let's do this so we would go we would go down to pit to work out with our friend and his dad which were crazy workouts in and of itself and then Ralph, Bruce, myself, and, and my one friend, Mike Doyle, would go to a little gym that was probably the size of like a racquetball court, maybe a yeah. little bit bigger. 
yeah. play two on two, which would end in fist fights. Fist I mean, fights. After, <laughs> after 30 minutes, firing balls at each other. Yeah. Um, I mean, it wasn't basketball, but it was just us like getting out and, and kind of like competing, I guess. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if that's just the way it is today or if it's parenting to to the you know like yeah like you have to push these kids and not if they want to stay inside or not do this don't let them I, I i don't know i'm not telling anybody how to parent or what yeah no it's like me as someone who doesn't have kids yet you kind of look at it in like i've seen my cousins they they had their kids and how they raised them and everything and it's like you're just throwing a an ipad or something in front of their face like tell them to go play outside you know yeah it's well in this pandemic's been real challenging because my yeah, kids are sure. at the age so we do like a no tech tuesday um different things like that and it, it's it's a, it's a hard balance because it is part of their lives right as much yeah. and every generation has that we've talked about this with some of our guests of you know well back in my day we would <laughs> you know we didn't so it's i think it's just finding that balance that um you know between technology which is going to be a part of their lives and how to you know but still getting it out so it, it's it's tough because we don't understand it we didn't have it even video games like those were we played a lot of video games but it was like always right when you woke up and right before bed but everything else we were outside you know yeah it's that's kind of how it was for me as well like i, I i'm obviously younger than you guys but we still had like, okay, during the day, we're going to play outside. And then like once dinner time comes around, everybody goes home for dinner and then we go to so-and-so's house and we're going to play Call of Duty all night. Yeah. Like yeah. We, we were able to balance that. Yeah. And it's like you said, it's hard to balance it now because it's so integrated in everybody's lives. Well, plus two, I think it's like a, a crazier time maybe because back then we didn't have cell phones. Yeah. Now kids that are Ralph's daughter's age, most of them, I'm sure Ralph have cell phones and and whatnot but it was like hey we're going here and then it was like i guess your parents just had to trust that you'd come back yeah you know or come back in one piece and and two it's like we we're fortunate to have that group where we could walk everywhere yeah you know what i mean we could walk here or we could walk there and and meet up with friends or cousins or whoever we were gonna you know hang around with where if you now live in certain communities you can't just walk to your friend's house unless you're fortunate enough to have people that are your age and and whatnot yeah absolutely think about think about this and i don't know where you were at this is you know one thing we had to talk with our kids about just from like constantly utilizing manners and things like that like you had to call people's houses you know say hey Mrs. Falloon, is Ryan there? Can Ryan come to the phone? Thank you. I pre, you know, just that interaction of talking to adults where it's now it's just you shoot a text to your friend. Yeah. You bypass <laughs> a conversation with parents. You bypass the awkwardness. Cause I think like that gives kids some sort of anxiety to talk Absolutely. to certain kids' parents. I've been right. there. Yeah, but it but it also helps you grow in that area. And I really yes. worry about how people communicate and talk to one another uh and we're all guilty of it even at our age it's not you know there's times it's like oh, do i want to call this guy right now or do i, yeah. I want to make i can just shoot a text and 
that's easier. Um, you know, so we're all creatures of habit and, and things like that, but at least we have a foundation of having to have those conversations. So yeah. it's, um, it's definitely weird. Absolutely. Yeah. Most people probably called our house and if our dad picked up, they hung oh, up. No. <laughs> he, he was tough on us. It was um, good though. So yeah, talk talk yeah. about your dad then. Like what, what was he like? Why was, was, <laughs> why was he so intimidating? Well, so from our understanding, I, I was too young to really know my grandfather. He was, he was young, but I've heard stories of how tough he was on my dad, you know, yeah. and our dad, I mean, our dad was the same way. It was tough on us with sport, but with sports for the most part, school would be like at report card time. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? You got to see? Are you kidding me? Yeah. What class is this? Yeah. Um, and oh. uh, so I, I just think it was like he wanted to see us succeed. And, and to my point earlier, it's like, how many times? Is there like if you take 10 kids, what, maybe one out of 10 of those kids, you could just if they all were going up the same way, one out of 10 is just going to pick up working out on their own and, and just fall in love with it and do it on their own. So I think you need pushed at a certain age until you're old enough to say, like, man, I love to compete and this gets me better. So I'm going to do I'm going to do this. So it was like. And that's the thing too is, is, and I don't know, I'm not saying that people don't do this, but it was like us, our cousins, anyone who was willing to go, he was willing to put the time in. Like in the summertime, if we're just sitting around, you're not just going to sit around. We're going to the field and we're going to hit. Okay. Yeah. If you want to hit, you got to shag balls in the outfield and do stuff. So he was willing to do that. Like I said, Christmas morning, getting access to a gym and going to shoot. You know, football was kind of harder to work out on your own, but vacation, we were running sand dunes. Sand dunes. <laughs> and uh, we'd find a field of grass somewhere and we'd go and throw routes. And um, so, yeah, I think just being able to put in that time. And, and I think the one thing you can take from that is, and Ralph, I don't know if you feel the same as had I not done that type of stuff or grown up that way, would I have some type of regret getting to my adult life saying, man, I wish I would have put in more time doing this, or I wish I would have tried more, worked on this more. And that's only evolving. There's so much more, so many more options of places and people to go to nowadays. And it's just, um, hoping they do it for the right reasons, not like, hey, I'm going to send my kid to to Johnny the trainer because you know my neighbor's next door sending him, so must be, yeah, good. He and he was Joe's right, and he but he was a type of guy. He struck fear in you, like <laughs> it, it almost at times he, he didn't make it fun. Yeah, and he baseball was his sport. He played in college. And he played over in Italy for a couple of years. Growing up, he always made it sound like that was like better than the major leagues. But <laughs> as we got older, I'm like, ah, I don't know how good those leagues over in Europe are. Like from yeah. what I've heard of football <laughs> leagues over there. Uh, but he was the type where if you didn't play well, 
until your next game, until you had a chance to play better, he wasn't talking to you. And if he did, it was like, it was Let's uncomfortable. Go. Let's so, go to practice. Yeah. And there's like, <laughs> there's some good stories. I'm, I don't want to get into all of them, but I know there was one time, my, this is my senior high school, and this is basketball. I already know I'm going to play college football. And he's – I had, like, four points, a couple air balls, and he got, you know, against – I think it was our third game of the year. So that transition from playing football to basketball was always – it took a few games. So he takes the car from me, makes my mom drop me off with all the freshmen. I'm, there's me getting dropped off in a minivan in front of Seton LaSalle High School. With all the freshmen. Oh, man. And I'm like, it was so demeaning. Like, so just like, you know, it just stripped you down. You felt like this big. Yeah. But two nights later, I had 27 points. And I'm like, dang. Like, I made them right. I made them right by going out and having a good game. But, you know, that stuff, as soon as I graduated high school, it wasn't like that. So I think the biggest thing I saw from the way he raised it. And I see it now. My oldest daughter's in fourth grade. And, you know, it's so easy to be like everyone else. And I think a parent sees that. A kid doesn't. A child wants to be like everyone. I just want to do what my friends do. I want to be like my friends. And it's easy to be that way. And I think for the way our, you know, dad saw it was like, no, you have to, you have to sacrifice. You have to do extra if you want to be different and to Joe's point, we definitely didn't appreciate it at the time, but I know once I went to college and, you know, I definitely appreciated the prep, like him preparing for adversity, for hard coaching, for, you know, so I think you kind of, now that I'm, I even see it more now that I'm a father, like, okay, you have to see what your kids can't see. Mm -hmm. And you know, and there's a balance. I don't think I'll ever be as like whole grudges like he held. I think we all want to do it a little better and in our own way, but it's, uh, you definitely have to, you can't let your, I'm, and this is another pet peeve. You can't let your kids run the show. You know, yeah. you have to guide them. And that's another problem. And And the other issue now too, is you can't just make it want to look good on social media. Oh, my kids, this, my kids, that like, there's real, there's real things that bother me with the social media aspect of parenting. And I know Joe too, um, you know, that I, I don't know how much you want to get into that. Like there's a balance there of, you know, setting your kid up for failure. And also there's times I see it where it's, it's the meaning to the kids you're playing against where they're like posting scores, beat this team, got another one. Like it's third grade basketball. Yeah, like <laughs> who cares? Well, here's the you here's know. the interesting thing too about we call my my dad's nickname is Peppy because when he went to it, Giuseppe Peppy, it just it's his nickname. So the one thing that he was good at, and it is funny, is making every game, no matter how old you were, feel like it's the most important game in the world. Like I was in eighth grade, and he would come up with these stories. Most of them were like fake where <laughs> he would make t-shirts and then tell a story to the team. Like somebody in your community dropped these t-shirts. They recognize you 
we need to go out and beat this team. Like, bah, bah, bah. like hey, the coach called me from this team and said, you guys stink. So it was like – So he was like the Michael Jordan of Little League Baseball. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, we would be laying out there. It's funny because I just ran into a kid that I played like 10, 11-year-old baseball with. And we were helping my cousin move. And he goes, oh, yeah, I remember we used to go lay there with your dad and do visualization on our baseball games. Now, this is in like 1998, right? So the the funny thing is, if you – he was just as hard on our teammates as he was on us, right? You know, maybe a little – they didn't have to go home with them and and, and (laughs) do it then. Like – have to sleep on the porch go out go up to your room you know um but a friend of mine who is now you know does pretty well in in business called me and and said hey our dad got sick for for a minute he had a stroke and he was like can I come see your dad like I want to thank him because I know if he didn't push me the way he did then I wouldn't be where I am because I had horrible bosses and and horrible people that I worked for that I needed like that type of discipline to get through working with these people. And no matter how bad they yelled at me or I got it, I never heard it worse than from your dad. So it was like, that was some of it. But if you look at it today, like social media, you'll watch kids in third grade and there's someone filming their kid. And then there's 10 parents on the field filming their kid as well and it's like this is a joke yeah one he probably would have been like who knows what would have happened if he coached that way in today's age right yeah he would have a, a fit but then it's like the fact that there would be 10 people on the field trying to film while he's coaching to <laughs> in what his mind is the super bowl yeah and it's fourth grade football you know what i mean like um it just it just wouldn't fly so I wish there could be more coaching like that today and uh I don't know maybe as my kids get older I'll I'll try and re uh bring it back yeah bring some of it back yeah I, I mean I had a coach like that uh when I was in like ninth grade football now he's he just recently got named the head coach of our high school my high school um and I'm like, like everybody's like, I'm going to reach out to him. Like, I, we want to help him. And like, nobody has done that before for the guy who was head coach before. Yeah. It's like, that's yeah. how you know, he kind of, he's helped those kids. Now he like, they want to help him. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like reciprocating that and just giving thanks. And you're right. We don't get that enough uh, anymore. I mean, we see these viral videos and it's like, some of them are like, okay, that guy needs to not be on the field. But right. <laughs> right, right, right. But a lot of the time I see videos like that and there's people that have never played a sport that are like, oh, how could you treat a kid like that? And then there's like the athletes, the people who were athletes come in like, that's how I was coached. Like that's how, yeah. like, that's how you build character. It's how you play the game. Comes back again to the kids don't know. Like they need to be, you know, there's within reason. Like, but yeah. you learn. I, I was in fourth grade, my first year playing football. My uncle, um, my uncle Tom, like my dad was away because he coached us in football in the, in our younger years. So my they goes, anyone tired? I raise my hand. 
<laughs> my uncle goes, take a lap. Because, yep. but you know, some people might be like, well, why, why did you make them run? But I learned in fourth grade at nine years old, you never say you're tired. Like that, it was ingrained in me from my very first year playing football. Okay. I got to be tough and, and I'm never tired. You know, I didn't know any better. He taught me. That's the yeah. way it goes. You know, so yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, uh, well, what's crazy too is you see some things like I know people were giving heat to Tom Izzo, the, the coach for Michigan State. Yeah. And that's one of those examples couple, of talking about. Yeah. A couple of years ago, uh, what's his name from Rutgers who was firing basketball <laughs> at players? Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I looked at those videos and I was like, quick. oh, yeah. So there's a time I was in eighth grade and Ralph and, and Bruce came up and Bruce had division one offer offers to play basketball. So he was a good basketball player. And not to mention, they're both in high school playing against us. So there was a drill we were doing and we were going up against Ralph and Bruce and my dad started yelling at me. And he was like maybe 10 feet away. That, that might be a stretch. He was probably, and he got mad and he fires the ball at me because he's mad and I just catch it. And I just put it on my hip and just let him keep yelling. <laughs> he was so mad. He, he wanted was, it to hit him. I, w- I wish I knew that trick. Just put the ball in your pocket and he can't throw it at you again. I so wish mad. I knew that. But yeah, so that was that was the only time. He wasn't firing balls at us. But I saw the no, video. No. Of that There's a statute of limitations. Don't worry. <laughs> what are you, you going to do? It's not that bad. He's getting this guy's fired up. I mean, yeah. um. But no, I, I I just if you look at some of the greatest to ever do it, and I think you know Tom Brady right now is is probably the best living uh, champion out there, and he says it best like he wants to be coached hard, you know, yep. and uh, there's a reason why he does so well, and and so it's like Tom Brady who wants to be coached hard than us. We're like right below. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the uh, names. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about your guys' football careers. Uh, when when did you realize, like, that's that's the sport, that's the one I want to focus on? And then when did you realize, okay, I think I can go to the next level and go play college? I think I knew – I knew football was – football was my favorite sport since I started playing it. Um. You know, we played them all. We played, you know, we were football, basketball, baseball. I played baseball up until my sophomore year of high school. And then it was just football and basketball. But I knew football was what I wanted to play. I think I knew during my junior year of, of high school that I had a chance to go play at the next level. Um, I was someone that, you know, I don't know, to like Joe could pick up anything. And he had, he's very naturally talented in a lot of things. I was more like I had to bust my butt. Not that Joe didn't. Not that Joe didn't. But that's when I learned how to work, I guess. Like, really work. Like, in the weight room. And Joe tells that story of when we went to, we went to uh, the basketball gym at Christmas. And my dad, you know, he goes, he, he's like, hey, lift your shirt up. I get, I get, so I go, he goes, why don't you lay off the cinnamon rolls? Stop drinking pot. And that's where 
and again, like some people are like, oh my God, he said that to you. But for me, it was like, I, you're right. I got to change my nutrition if I want to do this seriously. So um, I would say at some point in my junior year, I knew I could go play at the next level. And um, that's when I committed, like fully committed to it. Working out, training, uh, just became obsessed. Like anyone tells you, like I'm obsessed with football. I, I, I love it. Um, so that was when, and then you're always kind of just, you're, and I think it's good. There's always a little doubt. You have to have a good balance of like, Hey, I got to work if I'm going to make it and, and balance out with the confidence that no one's going to stop me. No one's going to stand in my way. So, um, yeah, I would say that's when I knew football was, uh, was it, I always knew it was what I wanted to play. I think yeah. junior year of high school is when I knew like, okay, I could go play. Uh, at the next level nice um so for me to give to give a humble brag um i was probably best at baseball was probably my best sport and then basketball but it was like i stopped stopped growing after uh seventh grade i'm supposed to be six foot but um yeah (laughs) So then my freshman year, I came into Seton and I started at inside linebacker and in fullback sporadically. But I was like, whoa, I could probably I could probably play football in college. And at that time, too, another another lesson for parents. If you step on the field or you're on the roster, you get letters from Ohio State and Penn State, and Michigan doesn't mean they're recruiting you. Okay? Yeah. They just have to take notice. Yeah. So I got letters. I think, I think there's like, some kids that need to hear that too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because sure. I got that all through high school. All these kids be like, Oh, I got a letter from Ohio state. I got a letter from Alabama. It's like, well, yeah. what they offer you. It's like, Oh no, it wasn't an offer. Okay. So no, so I, I had those and I'm like, well, I can do this. And then as a sophomore, you play a little more. And for someone like me, I was never like this highly touted, recruit or anything because I'm five eight right and um on a on a good day with my shoes on <laughs> for so, the heel lifts. <laughs> so uh that's another good pep story um but no so right around the time my junior year like some Duquesne started talking and and I knew that I had to get faster that like hey this 40 yard dash is 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 a pretty big deal so going into my senior year I uh, I started working with a uh, track coach out at Washington, Guy Monacalvo, and he immediately was able to drop my 40 time down to a 4.4 from 4.7. And I started going to some of these camps, and I was realizing last year I went to some camps and I ran a 4.7, and then it's like now you come back and you run a 4.4, now they want to talk to you a little bit. Yeah. And – um but even at that, I still had no offers like Pitt, WVU, all of them were like, if you get offered by this school, we'll offer you and, and that stuff. So I had one double A offers, but I was like, you know, I think I can, I think I can play at a higher level. And, um, and that's, I decided to walk on a pit and at least give it a shot. And to be honest, if I watch my highlight films from high school, and I didn't know any, like I was probably actually not as good as I thought I was or people, but then you go to college and you learn different techniques. You're like, Oh, I can manipulate this DB like doing this and that. 
and I just took to to learning and and listening to my coaches really and um I mean plus I got to watch Larry Fitzgerald do stuff every day now it's like all right now I got a shot and then you just let your natural ability take over whether you know catching the ball and and understanding where you need to be that's I think one of the biggest parts of college game and pros is some of these offenses are so um I guess complex they can be so where it's like if you don't know where you're going to be it's easy for guys there's guys obviously much more talented than me but they didn't know what to do so I just always said I'm going to know what to do and where to be and and that'll allow me at least the opportunity so that's kind of where I um how I got to to pit but yeah I think pretty early we realized football was was it basketball's not knocking down the door for any five eight <laughs> yeah. five eight point guards. Yeah, I, I had I had a conversation about like I forget who it was with. It was on one of the podcasts, but we were talking about how Western Pennsylvania is much more of a football place than it is any other sport. So if a lot of people feel more pressured into playing football post high school because of that. Um, I think I fell into that category. I don't know if you guys did, if that was kind of a factor. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, I think definitely, what'd you say, Joe? I said, I don't think at our school. What? that Like pressured into playing football. Like Seton was always the basketball team and the starters on the basketball team were mainly players that played football. For the most part, it wasn't like a Shar Valley or a Blackhawk or one of those basketball schools that was like didn't want their basketball players playing football. Yeah, yeah, I I know what you're saying though. Like you you know where you come from. I mean, the exactly, tradition, yeah. the history of Western PA football, um, it's it's special. You know, it's special. And, and it's something, again, the times change. And this is something we try and do with our kids. Like when we were young, Friday night, you went to a game. You might go to your community's game. You might, I remember seeing LeVar Arrington play. I was a freshman in high, uh, no, I was in sixth grade. He was a freshman in high school. And that was like, I, I still remember to this day, you know, that's what we did. And that's another thing that I'd love to see like that's where you go and then as a young kid you see that and you see how you know the smells of Friday night lights and just the sounds the band um you know and then you want to be a part of that one day yeah and I know some schools like still get good turnouts I I wish it would be more I don't like that the the Whippeal is sick classifications now yeah it's a little rough yeah it's just it's just spread it thin at least in the western part of the state where some of the rivalries that you used to have don't exist like that's that's my biggest argument with it is you're not seeing the rivalries anymore people aren't playing who they used to and it's like yeah what are we doing yeah and it's but you know it's still it's you wanted to be a part of that so it wasn't this pressure to play like you weren't pressured into playing football but you were it, it was part of your upbringing. It's part of, you know, listen, I, I'm sometimes people are like, well, you talk, you act like football is better than everything else. And 
Yeah, I, I kind of do because I understand <laughs> that. Like, I'm not saying, listen, I have kids that if they want to go and be great at something else, they will. Yeah. But I'll never lose fact that football funds most schools. The atmosphere of football games is way better than at, and nothing against baseball. Like I said, our dad, our brother went, you know, he played baseball, our youngest brother. But hey, give me the atmosphere of a football game compared to that of a high school baseball game. Yeah. But they don't compare. So, um, yeah, I mean, you from that standpoint, you want to be a part of that because it's special. Western PA football, and some people say it's gone down a little bit over the years, but look at all the – I mean, the best defensive player in the NFL. Where is he from? Pittsburgh. Like, you know, it's still – there's still a, a there's still something in the water here. So yeah, absolutely. And I you, you brought up the Friday Night Lights and wanting to be a part of it. My first memory of going to a a high school football game as a fan, I think I, we didn't even get in the stadium because it was so packed. Like we had to we we had a minivan when I was growing up. We parked it on the side of like a hillside because the stadium was like down in the valley of it. We parked on this hillside. You could see the field. And there was we weren't the only car that did that. Like, it was a row of cars. Yeah. And later on, down, like, down the line, I learned that that game, Darrell Rivas was playing for Aliquippa, playing against Beaver. Okay. And that's why that game was so, like, highly touted and so many people were there. And then late, even more later on, I saw in my uh, high school vice principal's office – he had a panoramic photo of that game. Oh, wow. You can see wow. the bands and like all the cars on the hillside, see how packed the stadium was. And I was like, wow, that was a big deal, huh? <laughs> yeah, and you don't know it. Yeah, exactly. But you remember how packed it was. It's, yeah. Well, uh, where we went, Seton, Keystone Oaks is right across the street. So Ralph went to Keystone Oaks for two years and then went to Seton. And it's like, literally, you could throw – football across the street from Seton to KO high school (laughs) and when they transferred we stopped we stopped playing and uh so I never got a chance to play him but it's like man there was so much hate in that rivalry as a kid that I was just like I can't want to be a part of it I I wasn't a part of it I mean to the point where like back in the 90s maybe right before Ralph got to high school or when he was in high school it's like student sections fighting in the lobby. I remember being up against the wall and two kids are fighting in the lobby at the basketball game. And I'm like seventh or eighth grade. And I'm like, just, (laughs) oh my gosh, you know? Yeah. uh, So yeah, it was, it was good stuff. Wish, wish to get back to that. Yeah. I I mean, we had one, like we had, we had one rivalry that was like that. It was with new Brighton. And they they were more the aggressors where we were like we were like we're just gonna beat you on the field mentality, but they yeah. one year I give them props so every year they would steal like a banner from our field. It wasn't <laughs> anything important. Up. It was just like some banner. It was always the one specific one. We didn't know why. <laughs> but then I had gym class that Friday, and we go out on the turf, and we're like, wait, what's what's this all over the turf? They had confetti dicks they put all throughout our turf and like they had to come in and like sweep the turf get them all out 
And then <laughs> Jeez, oh, man. throughout the rest of the season, we were seeing these little confetti dicks. <laughs> I'm sure that went over well. With but that. I gave him props. I was like, that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, that's yeah. good. Mutual, that's hey, fun. respect. Exactly. Not earning respect. Exactly. <laughs> now, so what was your transition to college ball like? Uh, I know for myself, it was actually pretty hard. I only played one year of college ball, D3, but it was very hard for me to get adapted to the game and how much faster it was. What was it like for you guys? I'll go first, Joe. Uh, yeah. I, so it's uh, – I mean, there's just so many – I think the adjustment just to everything in general, like the, the game itself, I remember standing – it was the day before we reported for camp and, and our wide receivers coach who recruited me, he's like, hey, there's 30 freshmen coming in and 10 of you probably won't make it through camp. And it was like, wait, what? Wow. And so you get scared. Like, why? Like, why? I, I, I'd never even thought about that. Are you going to cut us? Or are you going to, you know, it's, and you realize it's more about their approach to, to playing and that it's, it's all controllable. But I like for me, it was just um, you had to like kind of celebrate every small victory you had. You know, like I remember the first practice with the vets, like in one on ones, I beat one of the senior corners on a slant route. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, so every little thing gives you a little bit of confidence. And then I, as a freshman, I played like 10 to 15 snaps a game. So I'm like, all right, I'm in the mix, you know, and, um, and then you just try and look for the small thing. But the biggest adjustment, I think, it's cliche, but it is the speed. You know, you can't get away with being lazy. Yeah. Uh, I know most people say this, and it's true. When you're in high school and you're playing both ways and you're like, man, when I get to college and I'm just playing one way, oh, I'm going to be – I'm going to feel so fresh. But you don't realize, like, it – there's no plays off. There's, you yeah. know – you the amount of energy and and effort um just to to win those plays um is you know you're gonna be more tired just playing one way so it's definitely learning the speed but you know um taking the coaching in and and really that's why when i coach kids now or work them out like i'm not preparing you to beat you know the the kid, whatever, it would just say Hanavan that it well, went back when we played. That's okay. Not like I'm preparing you when you go up against as better than you, you know, that you have tools that you can work on. So it's much more about your technique, um, your patience. And then, you know, I look, you can look at pictures back then. Like that's a big age for your body to develop in terms of yeah. strength and quickness and, and things like that. But to Joe's point, I went that same year, I was going into my junior year of college when he was going into his senior year of high school. And I went and worked with Guy Monacalvo too, because I was I was a four eight guy. Like I learned to play and be productive, not being very fast. So and I never went and got coached on speed. You know, but it's the number one thing. So finally going into my junior year, I went and worked with Monacalvo too. And I, I mean he told me I was a four eight and same thing. I clocked in the four fours a number of times. Consistently I was in the mid four fives. But he took two and a half tenths off like in six weeks. And 
that was uh but it's what I needed to do to be able to have a you know I had really good junior senior seasons um so it's what I need to do but it's speed it's all of it it's speed it's like knowledge it's knowledge it's it, honestly more than anything it's making sacrifice like again back to hey you could be like everyone else it's easy to just be a you know be like everyone else but are you willing to you know put the extra time in, put the extra work in maybe not go to that Thursday night party because you got Friday workouts, you know, things like that, that what the kids that I saw fail usually fell into that realm of like, that's too hard. Oh, I don't need to do that. And you have a short, I say with football, you have a short time to do it. It's not like basket. You can't go play pickup football, you know, when you're 30 years old, but you play pickup basketball for, many years after yeah. you could go hit baseball if you want to play in a adult baseball league but for football so for me uh i know i kind of got off the track of what was the heart but it was speed and it was like willing to make the sacrifice to just want to be better than the other kids that that were there yeah but, and you know, I, I i think you're right about uh people getting lazy uh, i think i fell into that category uh, i know my senior year of high school I was like, oh, well, I don't have to work out as hard. Like, nobody's going to start over me. Like, I'm just going to play. We're, right. we're going to have fun. If I get an offer from a school, I get an offer from a school, we'll take it. And that's kind of what happened is I had one school reach out. Then I was like, okay, that's the only college I applied to. Got in. Got into the, the college. And I was like, this is completely different than what yeah. I thought it was going to be. Yeah. And I just didn't mentally and physically prepare myself for that. Yeah. So many people were like, oh college camp is so much better you don't hit like you do in high school or yeah, no, pros is not true better. i'm like eh, that's that's not yeah that's, that's not, not my experience <laughs> um and i think too it was like obviously the speed the the contact you're getting hit by a lot bigger guys now men um and you do uh, to ralph's point yeah you have to sacrifice and it's like like I said before, I, I was just willing to do whatever it took to know where I was at. And and I think if you do that, then you could play at a faster speed to where, you know, all these guys are good. And in high school, it was like, hey, I'm going to run a post route. And this guy's so bad that I'll probably be wide open. And the quarterback could throw it kind of wherever he wants, and you'll just run under it and, and score a touchdown if we can get the ball off. And that's what happened a lot of times. And in high school or in college, you get to the point where it's like, well, you have to know what all the safeties are doing and the linebackers. And you might have a foot of separation that you need to create to get a completion. And so those are all the things. And I relied on, you know, Yogi Roth was a senior when I was a freshman who, and, and Yogi's, you know, as successful as anybody in, in what he does. So I always took advice from him, you know, and he was, he was a similar build to me and a similar type of, of receiver. And he was just, you know, I would just every week just talk to him about different things and, and learn how to prepare for a game and learn how to prepare for practice. And the funniest thing I remember my freshman year, we went to play in the continental tire bowl and <laughs> So we're in Charlotte practicing 
And, you know, now, now you get to college and you have different hard counts. It's like, Hey, we're going on, on like second hard count. So um, they put me in during practice and I'm running a, a read route, but it's like, most likely I'm going to run a corner. So we go on this, on the second hard count and a quarterback comes out down and says, right, and I just take off running. And now you're like looking for linebackers and safeties. And I'm sitting there, I'm looking, I'm like, I'm wide open. I'm wide open. <laughs> and I make, I make a stick and I break towards the corner and I turn around and nobody's moved. Everybody's looking at me. I'm like, oh gosh. Oh man. <laughs> That's so, hilarious. Um, and you're probably like, are they going to cut me? They're going yeah, to tell me to go off. I'm like thinking, am I going to be sent home? And that's uh, such a roller coaster for emotions because you're like, wow, like I'm, I'm open, like we're going to do this. And yeah. you look, and you're like, oh fuck. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it, it it it's crazy. So, you know, that whole off season, I went into the coach and I'm like, hey, you said if I was playing on special teams, I'd get a scholarship. And he was like, yeah, well, you know, basically we're not giving out scholarships for special teams guys who were, you know, on punt return. He jumped off uh, sides at the Continental Tire Bowl practice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he goes, if you're in the mix in the, in, the, in the spring game, and I had a good spring game. I had like a 33-yard reverse for a touchdown, like a couple catches. And I go into his office. And he, he calls me and I'm thinking, this is it. Like I got a scholarship. And he goes, do you want to know how many blocking assignments you missed oh, no. during the spring game? And I was like, I don't think I do. I, I, it doesn't sound like I do. And so he sent <laughs> me a new one. I'm thinking I'm getting a scholarship and he's like, you know, just choose me a new one. And so that was like another learning experience is like, all right, well, it looks like I'm going to have to learn on more than just catching and running routes and things like that. So, and, and to your point of that, the guy that came in on full ride probably missed more blocking assignments, but they're not going to care about that nearly as much as the guy trying to earn a scholarship. Yeah. Oh, all these blocking assignments you missed. And it's like, well, you know, Johnny Smith didn't even get off the line on any of the run plays. He just stood there, but you know, yeah. but he's on scholarship because, yeah. and that's, you learn that not so much play is a different level for me, but you really learn that there's, you know, there's a pecking order and it's a sliding scale the way coaches are yeah, for a lot of different reasons. And that's just the way it is, you know? So, and Joe's a case in point of that. He had to do everything right to earn a scholarship. Whereas other guys, it's like, hey, if you just do this one thing really good, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> now, Joe, you, you said you played with Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah. Uh, do you have any stories about him, the kind of person he was in college? I feel like we don't hear enough about him in college. It's all about his pro career. Um, yeah, so like Larry was really reserved in college. And so he had a year – as a freshman. Now he's three years older than me, but he's a grade above, he was a grade above me. So he was a true sophomore because he went to prep school mm-hmm. when I was a true freshman. And he was, you know, as far as, as far as the person, he was really reserved. Um, like you didn't see him out 
at parties or anything. And, and I never, I didn't really part, go to many parties in, in, in college. Um, I can't say yes or no if he was in class or not. It's uh, <laughs> him in class. I mean, I wouldn't have had any class. I had one class with him, and it was right before he was getting drafted. Yeah. So uh, I don't know what his participation was like in that class. Um, <laughs> but no, he was he was always always nice, always respectful. He was he was a clown. I mean, he was you know goofing around a lot of you know one-on-ones he would always call out somebody like I'm gonna I'm gonna get you today or I'm gonna get you always pushing like other people to be better um so at one point my freshman year is him going up against Shante Spencer and one-on-ones who was a, a second round draft pick from Woodland Hills um Lusaka Polite who played in the league for for however many years um Darrell Rebus came in the next year and but Larry, so my the craziest story about how good he was in my eyes was he made catches in practice that were better than some of the ones you've seen on TV. But he broke his finger at some point or dislocated his finger at some point during his sophomore year. So he would practice, he'd have a brace on, but he would practice one handed and would be full practice. Whatever we did, he did one on ones, everything. And he caught everything one-handed. So it was like if he'd run a curl route, he'd run a curl route and he'd come with his left hand and he'd just catch it like this as opposed to like catching it with two fingers or two hands. Yeah. So some of the things that he did were just, I mean, amazing to watch. Um, But yeah, he was always like a quiet kid off off the field. You know what I mean? As, as far as that was stuff was concerned. So, and you, and like I said, on campus, you never really saw him. He wasn't putting himself out there. Social media wasn't really a big thing. So you didn't um, have that to worry about, but the best person I've seen live in person. Yeah. You know. Yeah. No, I just, I knew I had to ask. Cause if I didn't, my dad would kill me. Cause he's a huge Larry Fitzgerald fan. <laughs> yeah. So I had to ask you about that. Yeah, he was awesome. So now uh, we come to the end of your guys' college careers. Where's the next step for you guys? What was in your mind? What did you want to do? What's the future look like? I just wanted to, um, you know, you get done playing and that kind of comes at you fast. Like I remember sitting my senior year, I was supposed to come back for a fifth year, not a fifth year playing, but I was going to come back for one more semester um, of a fifth year. And I remember sitting there like at the beginning of my senior football season, listening to a Seatland style game on the internet back. Like when those, that's how you would consume it. And I had my three cousins playing on the team and I was just like, you know what? I want to get back. I want to coach those guys. They're seeing they were juniors, um, juniors and freshmen. I want to coach those guys their senior year. Like I got to figure out how I can graduate by July. So I did that and got back and I coached, you know, Seton. It was uh, my cousin, Carmen Conley, who like set the state records for catches, uh, had some national, he was like top 10 nationally. Billy Stahl was a senior quarterback there. 
So I was a coach on that team. And while I looked for a graduate assistant job and that ended up being at St. Francis PA, um, coached a couple guys that Joey played with Anthony Doria and Mike Caputo were up there and they're like, Hey, I think we have a GA opening. So during recruiting of that season in 04, um, their offensive coordinator, I talked to him, Paul Fela, tremendous football mind. And he's like, yeah, let's bring you up. And it's funny how things work out. Like I went up there for that year. We set a ton of school records. Um, you know, I think we, uh, Tyler Pelka's brother Luke was on the team and him and Mike Caputo combined for the second most uh, combined catches for teammates. And it was behind Derry Rice and his teammate um whoever it was for for number of catches in a season and you know then it like it just let on I went back to Moorhead State for a year and then St. Francis offered me a full-time position as quarterback's coach passing game coordinator and it's funny because I always look at that as a, like talk about decisions you make in life I was I was contemplating staying at Moorhead I'm like, I could get my, I ultimately, I wanted to coach high school. I wanted to teach yeah. and coach high school, but I was a business major. So at Moorhead, I was going to be able to get my teaching certificate. And if I stayed another year, so I contemplated it. I talked to Joe Moorhead, who's at Oregon now as the, as the OC. And he goes, do you want to teach or do you want to coach ball? And at that point, I just wanted to coach. Yeah. So I, you know, I took the head coaching job or head coaching job, <laughs> took the full-time job at St. Francis. And what's funny about that is I met my wife three months later. So Aww. it's like, I'm, I always say that to her. I'm like, he, that guy, if like we see more, I'm like, he had a big part in us meeting because he's <laughs> the one that kind of gave me that nudge. Hey, go back to St. Francis. Um, and at that point I was like, I want to coach. I want to go on this crazy ride. I end up getting promoted to offensive coordinator um you know for my last two years doing it and then you know I got we got married and we had our first child and I was like ah I don't know this college coaching moving every year every other year some of that you know I just I got out of it so I, I went into the business side but I love coaching I do but it's one of those things where like coaches will tell you if you could do something else go do it because yeah. you miss so much, you know, and I realize now I'm not doing it and being able to coach my kids and do that. Like I wouldn't have done all this had I stayed on that kind of rat race, you know? Yeah. I have a lot of respect for coaches that can grind it out that way. And that's, uh, that's like whenever Bruce Arians, he retired at one point and came back. Right. Yeah. He, when he retired, he like, didn't realize how old his kids were. Yeah. And he was like, I missed everything. Yeah. Well, and I said that. He just said, like, if to his coaching staff, if you miss one of your kids' games or dance recitals or whatever it is, like, I don't know if he said you'll be fired, but, like, basically shame on you because I miss yeah. my kids' stuff, and which I think is cool uh, as for, from a coaching perspective. Especially in the check, NFL. I got to check on one thing. You guys keep talking. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Especially in the NFL, right, where it's, like, that's, like, a full-time, like, 24 oh, hour job right and for him to say something like that really brings more of the human aspect to it I think yeah and I think I think Bob Stoops was like that in Oklahoma wanted his coaches to be home with 
with their families for dinner. And I think you can do more of that now, especially even with the pandemic, realizing like, hey, we can do more virtual stuff. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, it's a tough grind. And I know Ralph probably wishes he would have stayed at more head now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> um, yeah, so mine was kind of, I didn't really know what I wanted. I was going through a rough point in my life um, when I was done playing and I was kind of almost fed up with football and again, got, got um, clean from, from drugs at, at 22. And I went and I was watching a high school game and I just remember trying to think of, I think our younger brother might've been a junior. And I was like, I got chills being at the field. Mm-hmm. So I um, lost, I lost a bunch of weight because I was, I was overweight when I was done playing and uh, got into coaching. And I said, you know, I think I'm going to, I think I might try to play football again. And so I actually went a year later, I guess maybe probably a year, six months or so removed from, from like treatment. I went to a Duquesne pro day and I can remember I went back and I started working with Monte Calvo and he clocked me at a four, three, eight. So I got into the four threes for the first time and uh, I was training again and I actually had a tryout with the Philadelphia soul for indoor arena league or whatever. Yeah. AFL. And they were like, Hey, why don't you come in and sign with Wilkes bear Scranton was another indoor arena league and I signed a, on with them and I was like the more I thought about it, I was like you know what this isn't it's not real football you're ba- I mean you're playing in an arena getting like $400 a game yeah what happens if I get hurt again um you know I'm in I'm now recovery was more important to me at that point so I went, ended up coaching for a little bit, and then I started training guys. So I started applying what Coach Monacalvo taught me and, and things like that, doing some speed work and, and different training, and uh, did that for a while before I, you know, went into the business side again. You get a wife and family, and, and plans change. And um, so, yeah, I do not as much as I guess Ralph does on the side, but here and there people reach out and speed is is mainly the thing that i focus on if i work with kids so gotcha nice did you ever um hook link up with uh terry grissetti i i actually did you know terry i interviewed him on this podcast like a long time ago oh really (laughs) yeah Terry's the best so we actually worked for a company he was like in the north and i was in the south together and and we became friends he was mutual friends with you know the ventrones yeah um through training them and man terry's i just saw him on social media this morning yeah i know know terry he's uh he's a good dude and really funny oh yeah he was athlete i'll be honest with you whatever like so denardo's he he pointed me in his direction right and i saw what he was about like i saw his college like headshot for football and i was like this dude's like serious like I don't know how much joking around we're going to do. Yeah. But then we start talking. He's, he's pretty funny. Then we talked about like how he loves Rocky and everything. And oh, then he started like lighting up. I was like, 
this dude's awesome. Like, <laughs> this dude's hilarious. Learn a lot from Rocky. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> That's what he said. He he goes, he goes, what's your favorite Rocky movie? I said, Rocky Four. He goes, of course it is. It's the worst one. <laughs> I was like, what? He goes, Rocky Three. <laughs> That's the best one. And he like he broke it down. And I was like, this dude, he, he loves his Rocky. That's awesome. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I had a good conversation with him. Two, and Two or three. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, it's, he was like, yeah, every average person loves Rocky Four, right? Yeah, well. <laughs> there's certain know. scenes. There's certain lines. Like, I know Ralph would always quote. Ralph's the big movie quote guy. I guess we both are. <laughs> yeah, we both are. The scene where, uh, you know, and you could probably say it better than me. And uh, you can't win. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I can't. Uh, no, maybe I can win. Uh, I won't go into all of it. We do it. Actually, I think Rocky Five has a couple of the better quotes in the whole series. When he's like, "You knock him down, why don't you try knocking me down now?" My yeah. ring's outside. <laughs> he's just like, so yeah. the movie itself isn't great, but the, some no, of the quotes mine. in there are good. Yeah. Nice, uh, nice, oh, man. Now let's talk about what you guys are doing now together. Brothers in the Berg. It's a, it's from what I hear, it's a great podcast. <laughs> I unfortunately haven't listened. I think I, I might've had a little bit of a, 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 you know, little hardship from you not getting back to me. It's been why I didn't listen, but let's That's talk right. about it. Tell us all about it. Yeah. So well, let, go me, ahead, let, let me start. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, so, Years ago, podcasting became big, right? And and more people started doing it. And if you listen, if you listen to Ralph, or if you go to a game with Ralph, it's it's really funny because we've been to a couple Steeler games the last years, the last couple years, and like the coaching side of him, him has never changed. So our cousin Bruce played for a while, and Ralph would go to his credit because I don't like really going to football games but he would go all the time and saying this is gonna run out like he's not gonna be playing forever I'm gonna go to as many games and when you would go to these games and he was still like coaching college or high school you'd have to sit next to him and he'd be like Vegas Vegas the run in Vegas the run in Vegas and you'd have to hear what his team called to play throughout the whole thing right <laughs> so now fast forward however many years and you go to a game Drunk Steeler fans have no idea what they're talking about. So one of our listeners and, and my former neighbors sat two rows behind us for these couple games. And he's drunk out of his mind. So he'd always be like, hey, Brother Ralph, Brother Ralph, what do you do here? <laughs> and Ralph, being who he is, answers as if he's talking to, you know, Mike Tomlin. He's like, well, I don't know why you're running a slow developing play on third down and pulling your, full, your guard. And you're, you have a fullback going this way. Why wouldn't you just put Jalen Samuels in and run something quick hitting up the middle? And I'm like, you real guys, this guy's like 12 beers into his day. And has no idea what you're talking about, even if he was sober. <laughs> so if you do That's listen, good. though, to his analysis, and he, he was doing this beforehand where he would just watch games for fun and break down stuff. He has a really good – eye for quarterback play off you know play in general in the, in the league and if you listen to chris sims who i think is one of the better 
guys in the industry, Ralph and Chris Sims have very similar viewpoints. So I'm like, I was like, let's just do it more, more for the sake of like letting him be able to talk sports. So he's not like, cause I'm sure he was saying it to his wife before he was saying it on the podcast. <laughs> and I was just like, you know, let's just do it. It'll be fun. If anything, you know, who knows if we'll listen, people will listen or not. Um, and, you know, one of our friends, Bub, is is a good listener and, and Ralph's wife's grandmother. So <laughs> you know, at least we have two people that listen to the podcast every week and uh, we continue to do it. But that was my main thing. And one time I was just, let's just do it. We did it during the playoffs, what, 2018? <laughs> It was 2017 season, but the year the Steelers lost to the Jaguars. And we're like, let's oh. we'll start it right now. We got a nice playoff run ahead of us. This and that. And our first show was leading into the Jaguars game. And we come back for our second show. We're like, well, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's, it's taken on a, I feel like every month we kind of like, oh, let's go this direction with it. Let's go that. But at its core, we talk football. You know, we do like, um, we've done different segments that, you know, whether it's like behind closed doors, we call it, where we kind of do like a mock conversation between Jerry Jones and Jason Garrett or things like that, that I know Bernardo always liked that he wanted, he wants us to bring those back, but. It sounds um, like it's awesome. And we've always stolen. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then the next day you look at uh, the CBS you know, game or what's it NFL today and Phil Cower and Phil Sims, they're dressing up doing the same thing. So they must listen, I guess. Every, every one of our segments, I'm not even kidding, Cody, have been hijacked by national sports radio. And it's like (laughs) odd, or maybe we're just getting ripped off. Yeah. And, and we don't know it, but it was like, we did behind closed doors for, last season not this past season the season before for like a big chunk of the year and we would do jerry jones and and, and jason garrett we do you like know zimmer and kirk cousins like zimmer and kirk cousins you know we would do all these different things and then you look this year and they're doing the same thing they're dressed up nate burleson and 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 coward <laughs> and then it was like hey we're doing uh mount rushmore not that we created that but it was like hey we're doing a mount rushmore of of steeler running backs or whatever and then it's like hey nfl let's do a mount rushmore of uh (laughs) players (laughs) and then last week or two weeks ago we did who are the greatest champions to ever live and the next day nfl let's talk about the greatest (laughs) champions there's an article i tell you i'm like yeah look at this article it's rating the best ones and i'm like our top five it's our top five. It's oh, like Gretzky, uh, you know, um, Jordan, Tiger. But it's funny. <laughs> our favorite band, if you listen to the podcast, we talk about the Avett Brothers, and they have this documentary. And the one uh, brother that's out there, he's like, his mindset when he's younger, he goes, I just feel like people will come listen to me. Like, if I play, somebody's going to come, and they care about what I have to say. And that's like, I was rewatching that last week. And that's like me. I'm like, well, people care 
what we want to say. There's times, Joe, he's like, well, we got to come at this from another angle. I'm like, no, people want to hear my breakdown of like <laughs> the top quarterbacks in the league. They want to hear how I break it down. And uh, I mean, I'm, yeah, it's funny because I'm very against, like, if you listen, I'm very against uh, like hype trains. I, I don't yeah. like when people, for, for instance, Urban Meyer, everyone's going to say that's the greatest hire ever. And it's going to stick for two years, no matter what he, I mean, he already hired a strength coach that he had to fire the next day because there were allegations and, you know, like it's not Ohio state. You're not, you don't run the world. Like you make a questionable hire. People are going to, and you know, and I'm just like, well, what quarterback did he ever prepare for the NFL? Why do we think he's going to be successful in the NFL? And, but the media will, Hey, they think it's a great hire. So it's going to be a great hire forever. Kyler Murray. And I like Kyler Murray. He'll do, he'll do no wrong for four years. He could throw you know, 10 touchdowns and 20 interceptions, but a couple of those plays look really good. So we're, he's the best. He's top four quarterback in the league. This is him so, doing it right now. Cody. I love it. Yeah. I love it. We'll get yeah. a little so taste. That's, that's my thing. Like I, I, I always guard against hype trains and, you know, like sometimes you're right. Sometimes you're wrong. Like two off and even Joe brought up Yogi Roth. I was like, you really think two is going to be that good? He goes, Oh yeah. You know? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I just, I, I don't see it. Like, I don't see the arm. I don't, you know, he's and he's playing with the best, everything, the best receivers, the best O line. So yeah. That's one thing, one great. thing. You brought up Yogi Roth again. I have to say this because it's it was on my mind the first time Joey said his name. Who is he? No, no I know I know <laughs> of him. But I used to play the old college football video games and I'd play his pit. And I thought he was like a created player, like, oh well, we don't know who this guy is, so let's just give him a random name. I didn't realize he was a real person. Yeah. Yeah. And that's okay. Good dude. Good dude. Like <laughs> you talk about a guy that like self-made just through work you know yeah and not to mention every time you talk to him you want to like create a business you you, every time you talk to him you're motivated to do something yeah Yeah. and uh yeah yogi's the best yeah no i had to bring that up because like i just remember as a kid playing like ncaa 07 playing this pit on my dynasty and i got this guy named yogi roth i'm like who is this guy yeah. <laughs> they, um, so, th- just to give you a little more perspective uh, into Ralph, I-, I sent this picture out on some social media platform a few years ago. So, NFL Network has NFL Rewind or Play Pass, yeah, whatever yeah. it is, and you can watch coaches' film. So you can see the sideline view and the in the in the um, tight shot. And when he first got it, he was so pumped about it. And he's sitting at my mom's house showing our grandmother how it works in the different views. Now, my grandmother's turning 90 in a couple of days. Like, <laughs> so maybe she's 86 at the time and has no idea what a tight shot is, what a wide, like anything. That's and he's sitting care. there showing. He goes, none. We could, none. Look at this. None. We do this. And he's sitting at the table like – he would be like he would be explaining <laughs> Mike Tomlin. Like that's good. This is how we got to do it. Um, yeah, what are you gonna do? I mean, that's that's Ralph. So that's kind of how we got started. In. But I can joke. I can 
laugh about it and joke or even like bed signs like look at this look at that i know you don't care i know you don't care but i, I still gotta say it. i know you don't care but i gotta show somebody yeah yeah <laughs> well that's really awesome i can't wait to get started on uh listening uh especially with the draft coming up i assume you guys have a lot of a lot of hot takes on that and who's gonna go where so looking forward to you guys' coverage on that for sure yeah it'll, yeah we're big on the quarterbacks there um i know smitty and those guys will do like a mock draft and all that honestly i wish we had more time to do that stuff like i'd love yeah. to but definitely the quarterbacks will be getting into yeah awesome well guys thank you for coming on this has been awesome you guys were yeah, an awesome conversation to have yeah. um everybody be sure to go subscribe to brothers in the berg on wherever you listen to podcasts uh check them out on PodHub network and follow them on social media and again, thank you guys. Yeah, Cody, thanks for having us on. This was a blast.